Hello, everyone, and welcome back to uh, the podcast. Uh, Chris and Brian here today. We're going to be talking a lot about uh, the state of World of Warcraft MMORPGs as we look forward to 2024. But first, we're going to be catching up on BlizzCon. If you guys haven't been uh, following the channel for a little bit or you're brand new, uh, Chris has been extremely busy with his new job, and I have been just dying to sit down and talk with him about uh, BlizzCon now that he's had the opportunity uh, to consume it because... Uh, like he said to me in the pre-show, like what 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 are they going to even talk about? Like this, it's been a long time since we've seen a BlizzCon. Chris, dude, uh, dude, what's going on? What do you think about BlizzCon, man? Yeah, I got offered this cool career opportunity, and I took it. And you know, they kind of asked me for some caveats, and and so like I I felt kind of greedy asking for the things I asked for. I asked for like my college roommate's wedding off. I asked for a trip we'd already booked with my wife's family to go to Disney off. I yeah. I had like a weekend, you know, um, I had a weekend trip planned with my wife that I needed some time. And so like, I literally booked more time off between now and the end of the year than I would have been given in total PTO. And they were like, fine. Yeah. But I didn't take off for BlizzCon because like the list was already so long. And I was like, honestly, like I want to go, but yeah, like what, what's going to happen? What other future, uh, conventions do you think phil spencer's just gonna pop up in <laughs> just <laughs> he's just gonna show up at things just, um hey guys yeah. it's for no reason whatsoever it's phil spencer <laughs> i don't know how he has the time to do everything he does uh i was watching some video on youtube the other day from i don't know somebody there was an office in an elevator and it's like do you just have an office on a plane and he's just going places all the yeah. time uh yeah so I ended up watching the announcement and stuff by myself on my phone. Cause I was like, this isn't even worth throwing on a bigger screen. Like I'm just, I'm just checking in like mm -hmm. all honesty. What could they possibly tell us? Right. Um, and like, I figured Chris Metzen would be the announcer. That made sense. We knew he was coming back as creative director. Right. That's the big reveal. You know, you can have Ian do the deep dive. Um, have Chris come talk about the creative direction and, and like, that does mean there's going to be a story focus mm -hmm. that doesn't shock me. MMOs now, even new world had to basically like relaunch yeah. its story. We gotta have it a wasn't story. even like a year old. <laughs> so right. like, they're, they're like, it's new world remastered. And it's like, I, I haven't even finished installing yet. What do you mean? It's already remastered. Um, like it, you have to be story driven, not because everybody has to do story, but because you can't add story after the fact. It, it non -story -driven driven hard... players don't care, yeah. but the story-driven right. players, they feel it when they're the last ones in the party. So they have to be the ones allowed at the front of the line, even if they're not the, they're not the majority of the players, mm -hmm. even if they're right. not the majority of the money, you have to let them in first. And that's in all franchises, whether it be a story-based franchise like Final Fantasy or a non-story-based franchise like New World that didn't exist. It could have been anything it wanted. And they still yeah. decided like, you know what? League of Legends is really struggling to try to in, in put in narrative now. Overwatch right. is really struggling to put in narrative now. We should do this early. Um, so that all made sense. Um, the real question with Chris coming back on, I think, was how do we know that this is going to last for the long haul? Right. So, like, what do you think would have convinced you that World of Warcraft is investing in anything more than the next two years. What what tells you that any right. MMO is investing in more than the next two years? Why not talk about three expansions worth over the next six years 
and who knows? I think maybe, and uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, they were even kind of hinting at maybe kind of an accelerated pace between the expansions. So I don't this know. It's wildly yeah. different than what Yoshi P did back in a couple of Februarys ago when he mm -hmm. talked about the next 10 years. Because when they announced that this was like going to be a big curtain, people thought, is there anything on the other side of the curtain? Yeah. Um, and so he had to talk about the 10 year plan. So I think announcing three expansions does that saying they're going to get those done by 2023 or 2030, however, did make people go, wait, that's seven years. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how are you going to do that if you're not dropping one today? Right. Um, and so I do think that, you know, moving to like a more of an 18 month cadence is really interesting because when we've looked at the spreadsheet in the past, Final Fantasy struggling with it literally right now, mm -hmm. when they're off making drama about main tank as a summoner talking with somebody like <laughs> I love main tank so much. Dude, his uh, memes are so like, on so, point. I don't know if you've watched any of his now like summoner should AOE stuff, but it's it's fantastic. No, I haven't seen that yet. But <laughs> oh, I oh there's a whole new one. There's a saga. There's, Xenos, there's all, Xenos covered right, it as a three-parter. I, I um, saw that there was some kind of AOE reaction, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll get around right. to checking that out right. at some point. There's so okay. little new I content praise. in Final Fantasy right now that tanks having two buttons and they need to use them is like a pivotal will they won't they moment and so like those gaps happen and they do they happen and for the people that don't care about the gaps it's a breath of fresh air to go play something else for the people yeah. that do care about the game they have to make a big deal out of a two button rotation like they have to because there's nothing yeah. else to talk about uh and so shortening an expansion up to 18 months means in theory you shouldn't have those gaps anymore okay. however from a dev cycle standpoint how do you keep up like, right. how do you not call yeah. of duty this where you have three teams that don't have time to talk to each other and they're just all revolving in their own. Right. How do you. Right. Because if 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 midnight is being developed at the same time as war within, how does midnight have any ability to take the ideas of war within and carry them forward as opposed to just have its own ideas that could run completely contrary. And it's like bank space and crafting is a core component of what we want for the alt friendliness of war within and then midnight's like we didn't even think about crafting and it's like oh okay so like how do you carry something forward if they're being developed at the exact same time and i think one of the things that the way i would answer that from a developer perspective is that you have a really well-defined out backlog and you have somebody who's helming that process. And that would be Chris in this case, because if he's coming in and saying, okay, here's our vision that way you don't have, uh, you know, cause one team can technically be working on, you know, the second expansion or the third expansion. Um, as long as there aren't any uh, major dependencies on the work that's actually happening in, in, you know, <laughs> in expansion one or two, you can actually start to really kind of work and plan and design. And I think, that's a strength. So if they've taken this time, especially over this last year, they've released their roadmap and they've been able to take this time to, in a way, I'm going to have to say it, Yoshi P the crap out of World of Warcraft. Uh, then I think essentially you're going to start to see kind of this, uh, both the cadence, which they're already starting to deliver on, but also in terms of that cohesiveness that even if there is a slowdown, even if there's turnover, because all of those things are true and will be existent throughout this whole thing, that they can, can they can keep delivering content. Wow, especially when we saw the you know like multiple phases of Exodus, quote unquote, from WoW into Final Fantasy fourteen. Final Fantasy fourteen was like we consistently deliver content, and uh, and WoW was like, oh maybe we'll have a patch out in 
nine months or, or something like that. And that inconsistency just gave Final Fantasy XIV an opportunity. And World of Warcraft right now, especially with the roadmap and then what they've announced here, I think is a uh, is highlighting that they are a team that's focused. And when you talk about 2030, that they're saying this game is going to continue to be invested in. It is a perfect time to start today. It is a perfect time to return. But there's also going to be more things for you to check out in the future. And, uh, you know, that's going to be something that in the grand scheme of things, I still wonder, uh, will they or won't they decide to support, uh, you know, consoles at some point in the future? Of course. Be- they because, to. well, because at some point, like, Pax Day supports controllers out of the gate. Like, there's so many things and that it's like... three expansions allows you to literally decide exactly. at what point do consoles what come point? on and to what degree. Yeah, at what right? point. Yeah. Xbox comes on in midnight. PlayStation comes on in the last Titan or whatever, exactly. like whatever the path, like being able to see that far out and know that you have Phil Spencer saying the checks are good for that long. You're right. Allows them to say, great. Cause there's been some projects we want to work on that are longer than two years. And it's just hard to look out that far. Um, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. And, 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 I wanna, and, it, and, yeah. and it also lets them develop a villain. Like one of the problems they've had is, is oh, they've yeah. tried to move to being more narrative, is they've tried to move to being more voice acted, more cinematic. I think they did a great job with Dragonflight. I went into Dragonflight for a long time WoW player, relatively blind to WoW story, and I had a blast. Now, long time players were mad about all this, that, and the other thing. Um, but it was like somebody watching Ring of Power who has no history with the franchise. Mm-hmm. If you just right. acknowledge it for what it was, there was a lot of cinematic stuff that was really cool. But the moment that the main story ended and then they started tying main story behind like Renown, all this clumsiness of WoW started coming back in. And then the fact that like they build up a villain and it feels like you're going to just kind of like, and then we have to kill it within the same two years. Mm-hmm. You never get a chance for them to mature. But it seems like now they're going to carry this villain for three expansions, um, which really lets us build up to something more akin to like an Asian, right? Where like, right, we can fight Asians on and off and we don't have to kill them in the next raid tier. We don't have to meet them and slay them within a three month cycle. We we can like let it simmer. And that can also give that, that villain of like that feeling of that force to be reckoned with. Like we have been struggling against this, you know, against this adversary, not just for, you know, like you said, a raid tier or an expansion, you know, but it's like over the course of that. And I felt like that's what Final Fantasy 14 did so well is that, yes, the Asians would come in and out and they were kind of behind the scenes doing things. And occasionally we would, uh, we would, you know, run into them, but there was still the overwhelming looming threat that was constantly like kind of pulsating, driving you from expansion to expansion. And that's one of the things when we look forward to Dawn Trail, uh, they talked about setting it up there. I don't think they fully committed to uh, like saying this is going to be a brand new saga, just like Heidelin and Zodiac, but they are starting to, I think, lay that foundation is what they were kind of teasing at the I last. It is something if you call it that, if you say right. this is the greatest story you've ever been told, just let people decide that for themselves. They're actually yeah. selling it as this is just like a summer vacation, guys. This is just like well, a car trip. It's just a little right. road trip. Just a little. Right. You've never been on a summer vacation oh. that turned into saving the world? <laughs> you know, yeah, like every road like, trip. Well, right. We're going to like fight a dragon or something. It's right. fine. It's not. Yeah, I uh, think as long as especially Dawn Trail doesn't have to have like such an epic, you know, like we've got to save the entire planet. You know, like they can kind of take that. They can really focus in on kind of the localized story. I think that's going to be exciting to see. Now, there's a couple of things I want to talk about, because like when we talk about like uh, Phil Spencer and the blank check and 
uh, the overall mood. I want to come to that here as kind of our next topic. I see a couple really interesting uh, points in chat we're going to highlight. But uh, first, I do want to thank everybody. I want to especially thank uh, Sheriff Sniffers with the tier one sub for 21 months on a 14 month streak over on Twitch. I know we've been inconsistent on uh, Twitch and that's just due to the work to game nature of the channel. And so thank you so much for that support. Also, thank you guys for the likes here on the YouTube side of things. It's so great that Twitch and uh, is allowing now multi-streaming because we were like, well, we're just going to do it anyway. But now it's like, oh, guilt. <laughs> uh, so it's wonderful. And uh, we'll be bringing you guys these podcasts at a more frequent pace uh, once, uh, you know, now that we're getting into December and into 2024. But that being said, I do have a topic from Sheriff Sniffers that I'd like to highlight uh, as an idea here real quick before we get to the Phil Spencer stuff. He says, I feel like I'm seeing a slight increase in MMO fatigue that I actually haven't seen in a while. What do you think about that, Chris? I think is exciting that MMOs are worth being fatigued about. Yeah. Like for a long time, MMOs have been it's feeling like they've been giving way to battle royales and to, mm -hmm. you know, more single player experiences and to, um, you know, it, it's been really cool to see those genres thrive roguelikes, you know, seeing like dark souls and stuff thrive, seeing whole genres spin out of that has been really neat, but it has come at, um, obviously that, that shared attention has had to be divided. And so MMOs didn't really get to be at the forefront. Um, for a little bit and so like the fact that they've been worth talking about to the point that people are tired of talking about them it's kind of a nice spot to be in uh the fact that star citizen and stuff looks like it's going to be a real game like the yeah. fact that you know like we don't <laughs> like, like for a little bit years, it started yeah. to feel like we were getting so hungry for mmos that like ashes of creation was becoming the number one thing to talk about and it's not even real so like i think a little bit of fatigue is probably healthy um and probably a sign that it's like cool like we have something worth taking a break from. We have something worth consuming to the point of fatigue in the first place. Um, and like I'm, I'm personally really pumped for the upcoming things within the MMOs that I follow. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I don't have the ability to follow the number of MMOs that are out there now. Like it is the, the oh, number yeah. of and and significant MMOs that are out there. Not somebody's like, well, my friend developed project, this like right. web platform. Like, no, 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 no. Like, like no, there no, are no. some substantially backed MMOs out there that I just don't have time to give even an honest with, moment's glance. With the art, the visuals, the music, and, and so much more. It's, full games. I agree 100%. Like, that's one of the things that when you, I always kind of laugh when I see MMOs are dying. And it's like, huh. No, like, really? Every day is Ginger Prime is first time playing some <laughs> new MMO, backseating Welcome. Yeah. Like, I don't even know what that is. I <laughs> it's been so fun though it's been so fun because what i'm hopeful for as a part of that in the mmo uh, landscape is that we actually hit a point where sandbox mmos can actually have a population that sustains them because you and i go back and forth on these topics and i think what i would argue is that you and i are both right from our different perspectives because theme park is a direct answer to the problems that sandbox and you know mmos have and sandbox is a direct response to some of the issues that theme park has but theme park is absolutely far more popular and so we always kind of laugh like it's like you're you know when people complain about uh like oh nothing to do in final fantasy 14 Ah, that's that that's a sign of success. Like that means that they the game has been so consuming and 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 addictive that after fifteen thousand hours you got burned out. You mean you spent fifteen thousand right. hours in this MMORPG? 
what was the what was the sell? Were you expecting to spend twenty five thousand and you feel shortchanged? Like what was the what? Where's the frustration coming? That's the in? transition I was running into. Is they removed yeah. a lot of that? You know, um, I, there was some discussion of burnout when like a handful of people were deciding whether or not Final Fantasy was dying, and one of the things that I, th I think it was Zeno that said it really well in the back and forth between maybe Zeno and Pyro or something. But um, he said that, I think it was Zeno, but he said that burnout is when you are forced to play something and you don't want to. Mm -hmm. So you're being forced to do, you know, what WoW does with grinds to get your vault so that you can raid. You want to raid, but you're doing all this other content because you feel you have to. Yeah. Boredom is when you want to play and there isn't anything to do. And so there's the key difference there is, are you doing anything? If you're, if you don't want to do it and you're not doing it, then you're bored. If you don't want to do it and you're being forced to do it anyway, then you're burned out. And so there's, there's just like a slight difference mm. there. And as wow has gone through and tried to take out those forced things, what they found in Dragonflight is that's left certain aspects of the game empty. Yeah. Because they were being carried by, subsidized content and it's like wow everybody loves this and it's like no everybody has to do this and there is a difference mm. um and so by making more things voluntary it's allowed them to see more direct feedback to the systems they do implement and it does sound like they're going to continue doing expansion specific features moving forward with the delves um which is just them once again reaching into guild wars 2 and saying if you guys are going to keep developing a great game and not becoming popular for it we're going to mm -hmm. keep taking things from it yeah um and so but like I, th I think that moves into a much healthier state. And so with, with MMOs, like we should aim for MMOs that leave us satisfied and bored, mm -hmm. not worn out and burnt out. Yeah. Um, That's actually something that uh, it, it directly relates to something Julie and I say, we've heard this from, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, online and we try to practice it is like choose guilt over regret. You know, like if you're going to have to pick one, if you're whether you're going to feel guilty or you're going to be regretful, like uh, resentful, choose guilt over resent. Uh, and then that way it's like that ends up just being a little bit a healthier approach to various things. So that way you don't end up looking back at, at it and just being completely like flabbergasted and frustrated and angry. And then then you lose twice in, in that in that same kind of scenario. Uh, the. um the idea, though, like when it comes to just this year alone, like if you just if we were going to go just from a numbers perspective on Metacritic, sure. this has been one of the best, if not one of the like at least the best video game year in 2023. We're talking massive uh, releases to, to the point where it makes me right. feel like I'm not a real gamer, like the number of great games that I didn't consume. It's not like, oh, I missed Disco Elysium. And I hit everything else. Like it's yeah. it's like the fact that there are games that are succeeding that I didn't even know about. Right, makes me question if I like accidentally shredded my gamer card. And the fact that it fell at the same time that I took this job that took me from playing video games fifty hours a week to now I just am playing in my hobby and I'm trying to build back up to this. But I'm training for my first marathons in like just over two weeks so the other thing is like when i'm not at work i'm also running <laughs> like last friday was an 18 and a half mile training run so you guys are like well why don't you just do it on your days off because uh, my days off are thursday friday well because i'm spending the whole day running or regretting running um like, like that's it um so it makes me wonder like am i doing something wrong there's some insecurity in just 
how many good games we've had and how many times people have said that. Like somebody just said, it's it's been five years in a row of this is the best year to be a gamer. And so if you don't feel that, you're like, am I wrong? Like, am I wrong for not being a part of this? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I I'm just the, started this. <laughs> you have it, and you're ready to go. I, and it's I have so, it. I'm uh, I'm actually been making some progress. So I I decided, uh, especially with, with 16, we're not going to talk spoilers here. But I decided that just like how I played through uh, Starfield, is that I'll play some and stream some, and then I'm just going to play some for me, and that's that's going to allow because I kept feeling like, well, if I'm not, I want to live because I want to have the, the the reactions to all uh, every different cutscene, and then eventually I was like, you know what, I, I really would just want to play. So I've been playing some offline, playing some, you know, on stream and, and so much more. So I've been able to make some uh, more progress, which is great. And ultimately, uh, I want to try and finish that here in the next uh, two weeks and then shift into playing Final Fantasy VII Remake. And that, again, is Final Fantasy VII Remake wasn't a game that came out this year. And so, like, even if you look at the f- last five years, uh, looking at taking some time to, to enjoy single-player games, I haven't even gotten to Octopath Traveler 2 yet. And so I start to look at, like, all of these games that I'm like, I absolutely want to spend some time with, and it's just a scheduling kind of factor. And that's where, you know, in a way, Yoshi P's model continues to highlight this strength of Final Fantasy 14. Sure, there is going to be the mindset of, I want a game that I can live in like I did back when I was, I don't know, insert time frame where you had a lot of time and no responsibility to live in a single player, you know, a single MMO for a period of time. But the ability to step away, come back, step away, and come back, uh, I think ends up proving out to be a much stronger case for the MMO. And thus then, Yes, there's going to be times where the MMO population is going to dip and there's going to be pop- uh, times where it surges and then you just kind of have that natural ebb and flow. And if you if you embrace your inner nomad and allow yourself to go play other games, I think you will appreciate the base game or your home game even uh, far more than uh, ever before. And so that's something that I think when we look at the state of the, the MMO, we're seeing the business model also start to reflect that and I think hopefully that means we're going to have a healthy genre and a genre where people are willing to put the insane amounts of money of investment into it because it ends up being supported by players because they have the ability to step away and, and play their game every year or something like that, where that ends exciting. up being kind of the touch point. It is. It's an exciting it's time, like especially as it's, we look towards 2024. There's a time that there's this much to be excited about and that we can look out this far. Uh, and that there's this much to consume already. Yeah. And that as Taliesin said, and that it is so pre-orderable. Because uh, <laughs> so, that is the other side of it, um, is is it's just the sheer amount of money in the space has made this possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's, that's viewership money. That's things like Twitch and YouTube, but that's also... Um, the dev side, there's just, and, and merchandising, there's been a lot of merchandising. (laughs) So let's shift back to uh, the Blizzard conversation, because one of the things that came out of BlizzCon was the announcement that like, uh, you know, coming from the Blizzard team is that Mm -hmm. Phil Spencer is saying, and whether we want to believe this or not, that's going to be up for the discussion that he wants to set Blizzard free. And the reports that I've seen coming out of it is that like Blizzard feels like they're actually uh, free from Activision and the goals and priorities of that. And they feel like they're finally allowed to be the team and make the games and the systems that they want to make without that over 
overarching kind of, you know, in a way, you know, villain <laughs> from my perspective with Bobby Kodak. And while Kodak is still there, I think Phil Spencer coming in uh, could prove to be a real strong and real strength for Blizzard going forward, assuming that Microsoft doesn't decide to go and say, all right, now that, <laughs> well, we got to actually hit some numbers that you guys, you know, we, we projected. But he doesn't. Like, like, he can also just let them live and die by their own budget. And mm -hmm. if they don't do well, they don't do well. And like, like what, what got Blizzard into this spot with Activision in the first place was they, they effectively borrowed money from Activision and then they had to pay it back. And when they mm -hmm. couldn't pay it back, Activision took a greater and greater role in helping them with the debt consolidation, right? I loaned you money so that you could start a business you're not paying me back. And so I've started coming in and checking on your business to see if you are running it in a way where you will ever pay me back. And so like Activision started out with the same attitude. The difference is that Activision wanted it to be a return on investment from the get go. Mm -hmm. And Phil is, they are just a chess piece. Like that was really the argument through the whole court case thing is that you're saying this is defining us and I cannot explain to you how small this transaction is in the big scheme of things. Right. I understand the numbers big, but you should look at like, you know, his whole thing is we're not taking on PlayStation. We're taking on Google and Apple and Amazon. Like we, we are fighting for attention on a much grander scale. It's cute that you think these little boxes that people plug into their TVs is where this takes place. Like we are aiming for phones. We're aiming for, you know, like the, so I, I think he really could let them run free because he just has too many other things on his plate. Yeah. Like I just so I I don't know. I I'd say like let's trust it till we don't. It's it's fine. You know, most people that say they hate the Activision years of Blizzard actually end up hating pretty far into the Activision years. Mm -hmm. The yeah. first several years of Activision were really great. So even if the Xbox era ends up being something we hate we could probably at least finish this saga before that's true. I hope so. I think that's going to end up seven good years. And like, why, why worry about maybe we'll be unhappy in 2030. Right. But like 2030 still sounds like a made up number. So like, let's just yeah, enjoy this for what that, it is. That's what I see at people that doom and gloom. They're like, but just wait 15 years and everything, you know, like Phil Spencer's going to retire right. and then go home and be unhappy till 2045 and then come out of okay. your house and tell me you were right. That's fine. Yes. I'm going to be out here enjoying all the time between now and then. Right. Maybe and you then, were right. And right. I'll tell you, I'm just going to smile and go, okay, then. And like, I'm going to move on with my day in 2045. Like, it's it's fine. Yeah. Well done. I've had fun for the last 20 years. Great. <laughs> like, I've, so, I've, I've advanced. I've been yes, uh, taking advantage of all this. will eventually be right. Eventually, there will be the heat death of the universe and it'll all be over. But like, in the meantime, <laughs> I'm really excited about this saga. Warband seems awesome. Yeah. Warband so is the final you... chapter right. of the technology that Ian has talked about, which is a lot of the same things where Yoshi P has talked about going from 1.0 to 2.0 and stripping out mistakes made with 2.0 because 2.0 was made too quickly. Um, you know, and, and so when he's looked at the next 10 years, like these technological hurdles of like, how come my reputation can't be account wide? The same reason people ask Yoshi P, how come my glamour dresser can't be infinite? 
And he's like, well, it's not because like I just wake up in the morning and I like that it makes you guys unhappy. It's because there's literally a techno technological limitation. I don't just go in and dial the transmog dial and go, well, I don't want to dial it up too high. They would like it. Like it, it it's <laughs> literally that there's a there's a cap on it and he's already got yeah. the throttle pushed all the way forward and it's just not going to go any further without them continuing to invest in all of the machinery underneath. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Mr. Happy just talked about the net code the other day. So like it, it just, there, there are problems with these games and Warbands is one of the features I'm most excited about because it is one of the largest undoings of like the core framework since they announced cross-faction play. And then before that cross-server play, like those moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's big. Um, cross-faction, cross-server play. Those are major technological. Now we're going to have cross-faction, cross-server guilds. So you will literally, if you meet somebody at work or at a gaming convention or through a friend and they play World of Warcraft, you can play with them. You can raid with them at the right. mythic level. Mm -hmm. No worries. Well, yeah, right. but what? No. If you want to play video games with them, play video games with them. And that's the end of the conversation. Um, and then and then the Warbands is helps that because it's like, well, but I wanted to play on my Rogue and I can't because I have to redo all this work I did on my main. And that's just, and like, I saw Bellular compare it to Final Fantasy where you can play all the jobs. It's not that, it's not heading okay. where they're all in parallel. It's much closer to Guild Wars where there is still a leveling component, but account wide is the mantra. And okay, the only yeah. things that are repeatable are things that are worth repeating. Um, so I think Warbands is a huge step forward um, I have seen people arguing that it's a step towards player housing. Uh, for me, there's something long before player housing that's exciting. The idea of collections, um, their collections tabs, incredible, in incredible. It's the orchestron tab from Final Fantasy. It's the collections tab from Guild Wars. Um, it like the ability to go into an old raid and collect the gear for the purpose of appearance is amazing. However, if I run the raid once on my warrior and I find the rarest leather helmet. And then mm -hmm. I run it on my druid and I find the rarest plate helmet. I have just literally wasted the time it took to go run that old raid twice. Yeah. And now I can run it on whatever character I want and I can just collect both. And like, I don't need it to be equipable. I don't need the warrior helmet to be equipable on my druid, but I do need it to be collectible on my druid so that if I get it, I have it from an appearance standpoint. Watching those things fall on the ground is heartbreaking. <laughs> I feel you every time, especially ever we would do any of the Alliance raids, Crystal Tower, like gear would just constantly be hitting the ground. I'm like, oh man, I wish there was some nothing, something else. Cause like, like there is something else to use that gear for up to a point. And then ultimately, yeah, it's just like, well, I guess I, I don't need any of those things anymore anyway. So yeah, that's where I like, I like, uh, I like to see when gear always kind of has some level of value. The drop will have some value uh, that could always be, you know, moved in one direction. Now, I do want to say thank you to Neff for 24 months of a streak with total of 26 uh, months of support over on Twitch. Uh, thank you so much uh, for that. We really appreciate you guys, uh, especially sticking with us as we've been going through this transition this year. And hopefully you've been enjoying uh, the show so far. If you have, be sure to hit that like button and more. But I got a question uh, for Chris as it relates to the war bands, as it relates to account wide and guild wars. One of the questions that was asked the New World devs uh, on this last week's Q&A was that 
with all of the streamlined changes that they've made with the, the latest expansion, which it really has removed a lot of the grind. Players are wondering what is going to keep them in the game in the long run. And the developers for New World said, listen, like we have this content and it's okay to basically take a break. Like we don't want to bring in just tedious grind for the sake of tedious grind. We've listened to what the players want and we've implemented this system and they're going to keep adding in new stuff. You know, and honestly, their monetization practices yeah. encourage that. They don't yeah. make money on you using their server space. That just costs them money. So you coming in and consuming it for a limited amount of time and trade for a limited amount of money aligns with the business side of New World. Mm-hmm. So like even just a cynical side of me says it will probably always be that healthy because they're not like that's the downside of a subscription model is then you're encouraged to keep people subscribed. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like that's like right. that's the downside of it. I personally think the subscription model is the fairest model for all right. involved. But the downside of it is every once in a while they look out and they go, oh, crap, oh. that won't be ready for three months. What are we going to do? to keep these guys from quitting for three months and new world's like, let them quit. Let them quit. (laughs) (laughs) Who cares? Uh, The AWS bill went down by X dollars. Brilliant. Um, So (laughs) saves us some money. (laughs) Let them quit. Um, Yeah. You don't have to. I I was told now that I have a PS five, like I need to play God of war because I've never played one. Okay. God of War doesn't ask me, well, but what are you going to do when you're done with God of War? Right. You're done. So I think New World has done a really good job of trying to be this, like if Final Fantasy is trying to be an MMO that can be played single player, mm-hmm. New World is trying to be a game that is consumed like God of War multiplayer. Yeah. Like it's like a convention as a game. Like it's short-sighted from the get-go. And that's not a bad thing. Like we all get together, we buy tickets to concerts, we buy tickets to sporting events, and they end. And when they end, we go home. Right. But they wouldn't be fun to do alone. You do them in a group, but they're finite. And like that's what New World is. And so I think there's a beauty to that, that that almost rivals like the seasons within like a Path of Exile or a Diablo game where it's just mm-hmm. this, there are these moments we all agree that we're going to play. Yeah. And then when it's over, a few people are left sitting around. There's cups everywhere. There's trash cans tipped over. And, and it's just going to die for a little bit. Um, the question for me pivots to then how do you get me to want to come to the next event? Right. Like, how do you get me to buy a ticket to the next one? Um, because like COVID for me, the example, I stopped going to a lot of concerts and I stopped going to the movies and my budget thrived. And I was like, wow, there's all this like money left over. Cause I don't do anything. Yeah. How do you get me back out of my house? Like, how do you get me back to paying for a new world expansion if i haven't thought about you in however many months right and i think that's where consistency and that delivery uh continues right like the idea that like every three months uh there is a content patch uh that you as a player who maybe went through that cycle goes oh maybe i'll I'll check back in like it almost in a way I feel like could build out a muscle memory of like, oh, yeah, usually I check in on this game every, you know, couple of months. But then what you do is that the bigger the bigger ask is the expansion when you start putting marketing dollars behind it. And if you end up having either I, I think what we'll end up seeing kind of as kind of the best practices, not that everybody will follow it, but with the best practices is going to be uh, uh, 12 to 18 months 
cycle of kind of that big content drop uh, release that will happen uh, within the kind of the genre in and of itself. So we just saw New World follow it up with their Rise of the Angry Earth. We see ESO on the same kind of trajectory with exception of Destiny 2 delaying uh, their uh, upcoming expansion, uh, you know, further back, which, okay, like <laughs> it's delayed. Like I'll, I'll, I'll live, um, you know, like outside of that, like you see these kind of yearly checkpoints that end up being a bigger marketing push and a good reminder of like, oh man, I haven't, played that game in over a year i've been doing these other things let me go check back in and see what's all changed because they've also set up the expectation that there are updates there are changes so like for example when i step back into uh play dawn trail there's still plenty of content that i have seen and heard talked about that i'm excited to go and try for myself when that when that day comes and that's gonna be fun you know and it's i know that it's there and it's waiting for me and that final fantasy does a decent job i think they could do some better uh, in some of these cases, and we've debated that, you know, and talked about that <laughs> to, in many uh, previous podcasts. But I think overall, like that's going to be something where, uh, you know, that that's that's the answer. Like, is okay, yeah, cool, you know, and you're going to save us money if you're not playing. And then, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's like because we're not having to pay the data fees and, and so much more when it comes to the servers. But yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's really exciting to see more people kind of adopt that mindset. Because what I feel this does to the genre, if we just look at the MMO as a label in and of itself, is that it becomes less tribal and more, uh, you know, good ideas can win as opposed to like, oh, this MMO did this some this really cool thing. And I really wish all other MMOs would, would adopt it, but it cratered because it was built off of this model that required people to grind in it and live in it for you know their entire lives and so they end up stepping you know people just naturally are going to step away from that they might check it out initially but they might not necessarily feel like they want to have a job when it comes to a specific game you know not everybody is a content creator who you know could put 50 60 70 hours in a week like a job uh to become that level of expert and have that have that experience so i think it's uh it's gonna be my new, my new job doesn't like I build PTO after the first year. The first year is basically no PTO because they just worry that you're going to not be at work enough to learn how the job works. So like I'm much more aware now because it's such a hard pivot. I went from being a full-time creator where I put over a hundred hours yeah. into the first week of Final Fantasy 14's expansion to now if a patch dropped in a week, I can't guarantee I'll get to it. Yeah. Um, and that's a big pivot. And so like, I'm, I'm aware that most people live between those two extremes. Um, and like the idea that we would have different games for different people with those spectrums and the games would recognize that it's not about labeling because I'm still the same person. I still like the same games. I still want to game the same amount. And so I think the other, the other thing the games are doing a better job of adjusting to is realizing that um, we can design a game that helps people play the right amount for the right phase of life mm -hmm. because for a long time, like a lot of these games have had to be really one note where it's like, Oh, we cater to hardcore people or casual people as if those are the people. And that like, once you're a hardcore person, you're always a hardcore person. Right. And then, you know, people that have a newborn baby or they take a new job or they get involved in another game or they lose a job or they have a death in the family. Like, and yeah. it can be short term. It can be long term. Um, but they go through a, a transition where suddenly gaming is something they have a lot more time for, a lot less time for. And now that game is the wrong fit, but the mm -hmm. person didn't change. 
like in what they wanted, but what they had available changed and the game just didn't have the ability to cater that. And I think that's where some of the frustration with WoW has come from is WoW has been so like hardcore raid focused. Yeah. And when I was when I was playing in vanilla WoW, there was a guild um, called Whores and it stood for homeschool or retired. <laughs> and they were people who had a nearly unlimited amount of time to game. Mm-hmm. And they prided themselves in that. That very same group of people now is frustrated that WoW wants them to play 30 hours a week before a raid, you know, going into some of the recent expansions. But it's the same activity. It's asking the same thing. It's just not allowing people that are like, hey, I don't want to do 30 hours of grinding in a week. They're like, well, then you can't raid. It's like, ah, and yeah. so then they do it. And and I think there's there's something to like letting a game transition as much as it needs to. If you want to grind, you can grind. That's what I think like the WoW or the 14 like relic system allows for. Mm -hmm. You can just skip a relic. Like if you want to skip a relic, skip a relic. But if you want to grind, you can grind. And I think that's where the frustration this expansion came from was there was a group of people that were like, but I didn't get to grind last expansion or I did get to. And then I was really looking forward to grinding this time, either because I missed it last time or because I enjoyed that grind so much either way. Right. And then there just wasn't one. Like the whole expansion was acquirable in a very reasonable amount of time. Yeah. There was nothing inside of this expansion that was like a massive, massive, massive grind. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those people, they were like, well, then what do I do? You either have to go backwards and do things you skipped, or if everything you skipped, you just skipped because you didn't want to do it. You just got left holding the bag. Um, so I don't know. It's it's nice to see games pivot to where they can better adjust up and down that spectrum so that hopefully mm-hmm. like I feel like I can enjoy it while this job doesn't have vacation. And as this job kicks back up um, after a couple of years, I get to where I have like a ridiculous number of days. Uh, and then also like I work less than 40 hours a week. So like as I get this job, like to where it's something that I better understand, I don't have to spend mm-hmm. any time outside of that 36 hours working. Like a lot of what's what's making it exhausting right now is like it just takes so much effort because I'm you're doing your training. I think I'm like 150 days in. Yeah. Um, See, I've been uh, a lot of my effort has been getting up early and working out. So like I'm down 50 pounds now. And, you know, so I still got uh, a little bit more to go. Still got a little bit of jiggle in the the belly. But my new world shirt that Julie got me fits great now. (laughs) And I'm also on my last belt loop, uh, you know, on on my belt that a belt that didn't fit me. Uh, at the start of this year. In fact, uh, I got an upcoming comedy show at Hyenas in Fort Worth, actually two uh, in December, coming up this Saturday and then uh, on the 23rd. And Julie showed me a picture because the first show I did of 2023 this year was actually at Hyenas. And she has a picture of me. And that's like, man, it's a night and day uh, difference. And that in and of itself has been a wonderful, wonderful thing. So yeah, like typically I have these goals now, like I'm like, my, I generally feel good, but I've been forcing myself still to go to bed at night. Like, cause it's sometimes I'm like, the kids are in bed. It's eight o'clock. Oh man. I really want to like go pop on this game. And then it's like, no, let's, you know, let's keep working the plan. It's obviously working. Cause if I go and play a video game at night, if I get back into that habit, which it's not, not a bad thing to do it's just all about balance is that i that does impact my sleep it doesn't uh impact my sleep so i'm gonna keep on going i think 2024 is the year i finally uh beat this monkey on my back that's just like oh but um but yeah thank you guys 
Thanks, man. I mean, you're also an inspiration getting out there. I said, once I can get under uh, the 250 mark, that's when I'm looking forward to us telling Jules is like, I'm really looking forward to getting back out there jogging. I've been doing biking because uh, I, again, like less pressure on, on the knees and the joints. And I was like, all right. I don't look forward to it. I think <laughs> I people mistake the amount I'm doing it for yeah. joy. Like, like, I think they, they're like, oh, you must like it. Yeah. Oh, why? Like, why? why is that a requirement? This is, <laughs> like, this is not a requirement. Now, uh, Fido has a, a topic that I want to jump into with you in just a second. Um, but uh, Bubble, uh, and hopefully I'm not butchering it, uh, has an interesting uh, point that I'd like for us to discuss. But before we do that, uh, Anarchy with 29 months of support over on Twitch and then dropping a gifted sub uh, bomb over there on uh, on Twitch. Thank you so much for that support of the content. Also, if you guys aren't aware, these podcasts are also uh, in audio form everywhere podcasts are found. Uh, you can find both Crystal Core Radio and Epic Loot Radio on every podcast platform. And we encourage you to go check it out. And if you didn't like it, leave a review uh, as that's a great way of supporting the content uh, outside of the YouTube channel. So uh, Bubble says, I get the ability to step away and play other games, and that's good for most players. But what does it do to guilds and other communities when constant leadership is lacking? And they go on to talk about how Discord isn't necessarily a perfect tool because they feel like they're getting tech scammed and more. But I'd like to get your thoughts on this, Chris. Um, it is the hard thing, right? Like yeah. if you, with anything with with anything uh is is for it to be seasonal is really healthy for the individual but the collective needs to have a cohesive vision mm. and so it depends on just how much leadership is needed right like if you're running like a model railroading club and you guys have like a 300 foot layout in a rented space that you owe rent on every month mm. you need everybody to basically pay a subscription to pay the rent and you need somebody to be in charge of that um somebody's name has to be on the lease and so it requires that level of organization. And that person doesn't get to take breaks unless it's going to be handled like where it's elected and there's and they take turns with an individual year. So when you get into these video games that actually run rival to those physical, like that's the only thing I know how to compare it to is physical clubs. Mm -hmm. um, whether you're on maybe a softball team or um, something that there is a physical club because it's not really comparable to something like God of War or Call of Duty. Like it's, it's much more comparable to these uh, I guess real life clubs and because the thing we do becomes every bit is organized and every bit is important. The problem is how do you then with like raid leads raid leads in, in a lot of these games, they have deep, deep, deep knowledge. And then that group has deep, deep, deep cohesion. So it's mm -hmm. not as simple as somebody slid out. So somebody slides in. Yeah. You know, when I'm playing call of duty with my friends and somebody doesn't make it that week, but somebody else brings a friend, we're still right back at it. Um, but the last two months we've moved to playing age of empires mm -hmm. and it's much, much harder when the group dynamic shifts because we're trying to balance teams. We do a lot of three V threes and four V fours. And like, we're trying to balance teams and there is an investment in everybody kind of becoming part of this cohesive. So like, I think it's a fair question. Yeah. It's um, absolutely a fair question. It fractures those communities for people to take breaks. Mm -hmm. Um, it just does. And so the question is then do games need to have things that require year round organization? You know, I go on a ski trip once a year with some guys. It does not require a year long commitment to organize that. So can the video game be set up in a way where it doesn't require year round coordination 
if year-round attendanceship is not mandatory. Right. Um, I think that ends up being kind of more of a a human, uh, you know, like in a way, like as we structure a organization, you know, like think of a guild that you should probably try to bake in some some rest time, some downtime that isn't necessarily a part of that way. Like whether it ends up being burnout or boredom, like whatever the the thing that is plaguing the player that then essentially makes that stepping away from that community and that group more painful and, and as ends up having more drama that's attached to it. But if you can say here, like this is the same thing we do in development and sprints, like some sprints are like designed to be more lightweight, especially coming off of a, heavy sprint and so you could end up just kind of having this psychological balance especially as a player uh to say hey this you know we're going into this raid tier right we know this because we know the schedule because they published the schedule so we can plan around this time make sure to take some breathing time either before we kick into like hardcore preparation and training the actual content and then afterwards as a community we're going to also go maybe go play these other games. And yes, I think Discord ends up being a, a good example of an app. It could be anything. Social media has kind of come in and you know taken uh, charge. Same thing with content creation and streaming uh, to some degree as a kind of a marriage of, uh, you know, especially MMOs and long-running service-based games. But the ability for like, okay, and understanding that, yes, uh, now is a good time for us to as a you know, as a guild to be able to decide that we're going to do something maybe that's a little bit different just to continue to so that you're not ever feeling this this innate pressure uh, to do things. But that's going to vary from guild to guild. And also would like to say that I do not want to advocate that games remove all forms of grind and all forms of that kind of content because there are uh, people who want and, 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 and hope for that. And that's why I'm very been very happy to see sandbox as a as a uh, as a genre within the mmo uh come come back in such a degree that people are funding it and they're building it and i really hope that they can find they weren't i don't think they're going to find massive popularity like we would see with wow and final fantasy 14 but find enough that it's a successful game that can be supported and maintained because there is a demand and a hunger for that style of game and it's again it's not going to be mass market but it's going to be something that is very valuable now Chris, you got any final thoughts before we jump into Fido's? Mm-mm. All right. Fido writes, uh, topic for MMOs in 2024, and here I am trying to sell myself on playing Final Fantasy XI. Now, if you guys have not been keeping up with the news, uh, with Dawn Trail, they're going to be adding in an alliance raid that is based off of the Final Fantasy XI uh, Echoes of Vanadil. Like, that's the name of the uh, the raid series. And I think essentially this is a like a smart play, like for me, that that is an absolute big invitation to come back and check out this game. But also Final Fantasy XI still runs today in retail form, and it is a very more, uh, you know, more accessible once you get into the game. Getting into the game, I think, is still probably the hardest thing uh, to get it installed uh, and get it running. But that's that's just been my experience. You also have private servers that have continued to grow and be supported and have communities that are that rally around them, like Horizon XI. Uh, I think it's a good example for me because it's it actually streamlines the installation uh, and account creation process in a way that makes me go, what the hell, Square Enix? Like, <laughs> this is y'all's code. Like, Let's let's you know let's figure this out and let's get this rocking and rolling. But 
when it comes down to it, also Fido was letting me know that like Mr. Happy and other big content creators have been organizing Final Fantasy XI days to kind of get people a taste of that game in preparation for uh, the upcoming Dawn Trail and the uh, Alliance Raid, which when we talk about a game having kind of downtime or if you're bored or if you're, you know, if you're uh, burnt out, like going and stepping into Final Fantasy XI is a, is a really good, a viable opportunity. What are your thoughts? I mean, play what you want. Like, it's not going anywhere. Play what you want. I, I think when we talk about MMOs in 2024, it would be very easy to make a list out of all the ones that are brand new. Mm -hmm. um, but there are a lot of good reasons to go play old games next year. Just games that you've missed. You know, I just got a PS5. Maybe I play God of War for the first time next year. And I was told if I do, I need to start with, I think, the one that came out in like 2018. So I would be starting with a game that's five or six years old and then I'm supposed to like play forward. Um, so like if I did that, it wouldn't be that I'm trying to do it because it came out in 2024. It would be that because the year I started just happened to be 2024. Mm -hmm. So if you've if you've missed 11 over the years and you keep saying, why not? Like, so my wife and I've been married um, more than 10 years now. And every year uh, I wrote, I took a class in my master's degree that was comparing the history of the American skyscraper for New York versus Chicago. Mm -hmm. and at the end of the semester, I had to write this big, like 25 page paper or something silly on like which city I thought was more impactful. And uh, I was in a class of like 20 kids um, and 19 of them picked New York and I picked Chicago. And so like, I have been deeply passionate about the American skyscraper in Chicago. It's, it's a city I'd never been to. Mm -hmm. and um, I have family that says they live in Chicago, but like much of Illinois, you go visit them and you're like, wait, this is still four hours from Chicago. <laughs> uh, so, so like, I've just never been. And yeah. every year I wanted to go for our anniversary every year and every year we priced it and the plane tickets are expensive and it's an expensive city to visit. And so like, we have literally been around the world on trips cheaper than going to Chicago. I don't know if it's just that we're shopping wrong or what we're doing, but we went to Switzerland cause it was cheaper than Chicago. We went to Scotland cause it was cheaper than Chicago. We went to Korea cause it was easier than Chicago. We've like, it's just never worked out. And so this year um, in September, we said, we're just going to Chicago. We're booking it. Now, I will say since then, we've had a couple conversations about budget and multiple times it's come up. My God, that was expensive. <laughs> but like, honestly, I had the trip I wanted to go. We went on an architectural boat tour um, with with Fido. It was awesome. And like we went to the museums I wanted to go to and I went and saw some of the, the buildings I wanted to see. And like I just I got to take the trip I wanted to take. Um, not because this was the right time to go. But because waiting for the right time to go meant that over a decade passed and I never went. Yeah. So at some point you just got to do it. And there's probably never going to be a right year to play something like Final Fantasy 11. So just, just do, do it. it. Just do it. I recommend personally, if you've never done it, go through the retail or uh, Horizon XI. Retail, namely, because with trusts, it makes it way more solo uh, friendly, so you don't necessarily have to rely on others, but people still help each other out, and it's always a fun uh, and good good time and good experience. And for me, like I was talking with Fido, I was like, I, I literally keep Final Fantasy XI up to date. I 
just kind of right now continue like, oh, I run, I want to go play Star Citizen, or oh, no, I'm going to go play uh, the Pack Stay Alpha right now. Oh, back into Final Fantasy 16. So it's been uh, an enjoyable hopping uh, experience. Now we got a couple more uh, comments, uh, kind of in many little topics here. I like to highlight before we wrap up. Uh, today's podcast chris uh before we do like are you going to be uh doing some live stream gameplay today or you got uh, no, I'm working on a youtube schedule? video oh all right sweet uh do we know uh, the next time you you've got a live stream that you're that you're planning do we have that uh that mindset i am yet? not committing to anything prior to the marathon okay cool and the marathon's in two weeks yeah cool smart all right nothing i'm committing to nothing my sister so was guys, asking me some questions yeah. the other day and i was like Nothing. I'm committing to nothing. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> guys, if you don't follow over on Gaming Kind of, Chris is working on videos again. You should start to see him post over there as well. So be sure uh, the links are in the description here on the YouTube side. If you want to go, just click on his name and follow him over there. Now, Nick says, does it make sense in your opinion to this day to still create MMORPGs that force players into a great deal of dedication in terms of hours before and you can allow them to play, quote unquote, well or deeply? Yes. The gaming space needs different swimming pools for all types of gamers. Yeah. And there are people out there that are at a stage of gaming where what they want is to be thrown into a deep end that's churning and waves and that there is a high degree of narrative to learn or there is a high skill ceiling to achieve or there is a high amount of investment to see realized. Yeah. Um, and those need to exist. Um not everything can be a I picked it up this weekend, you know, that that Netflix category of like binge it in a weekend. Not everything yeah. can be that. Um, sometimes you want something that's that slow burn. Uh, and so like I found myself craving a slow burn lately. So I've looked at like picking up, you know, getting more into like my Warhammer stuff from the hobby standpoint, because I want to take on something that's going to take a long time. Like I want something that's going to be hundreds of hours. Mm -hmm. Um that is not because all hobbies should take hundreds of hours. And thankfully that's, that's often the case, you know, as I've been doing all this marathon stuff and over the last 150 days, like I've had very little time to do anything. And so what I've gotten really into is that I have a group of friends, um, a guy I knew from high school, he has a group of friends. They play pickleball a couple days a week and I've been going one to two days a week and playing pickleball. And it requires very, most people have an extra paddle. And so mm -hmm. it requires no investment. You just show up and even if you're bad, like you still, it's, you're still having fun. Um, it requires no investment. And like, I love that as a hobby because I was at a stage where I have no investment as I start to get this job under my belt, as I start to get to where I better understand what my days off are going to look like, I'm craving a hobby that will take hundreds of hours. And that's not because it's more valuable than pickleball. It's just different. Mm -hmm. So I think gaming would be the same way. Um, I think you would want MMORPGs that are final fantasy 14 that say, this is a narrative saga that should last hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours. And it's going to take you a long time. And there are things that will not pay off until hour 200 or 500 or a thousand. Um, and then there need to be MMOs on the other end of the spectrum, like new world that say, if you only want to play five hours once every three months, that's okay too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the most fun parts of new world are inside the first 10 hours. Yeah, Having played it all the way to the previous gap. Like it's, yeah. The you first, know, uh, I think somebody was saying the first 30 hours are just like unbelievable. Uh, and then after that, they're like, just a good representative of what the whole game is. Everything mm -hmm. after that is relatively repetitive. Like the mm -hmm. discovery phase is so rapid. Um, you ramp up really, really quickly. Yeah. 
Now, to answer this for me, I would say that, uh, like, I agree with Chris that, yes, they uh, there should be games out there that exist like this, but we have to then be realistic about the funding model and the overall uh, demand for said games. Like, when I see people talking about full loot, open world, PvP, big grind, you know, hard as all get out, yeah, there is a community for that. There is a uh, an audience for that. But that audience, I don't think, is essentially the vast majority no. of players. And so what I always tend to find out is like, yeah, you need a certain level of support, especially for an online game. But for, let's say, a single player game that you needed to be dedicated to and really kind of like put in the work to, like there's going to be a, an audience for that. that They're going to pick up the game. They're going to enjoy it. They're going to experience it. Uh, and so that I kind of, in a way, like a different strokes, different folks, like let's not sit here and try to limit uh, what can be or should be within an MMO. But that's where, when we look at the overall funding as the genre goes, uh, that we are seeing more, uh, you know, ease of access into it and more nomads that are willing to try out other games. And so you might end up seeing more of an economy of ideas where really good ideas that thought might be on paper or people were like, oh, that would never work. Oh, it actually worked and they they implemented it this way here. And then the games and all the genres, they can learn from each other and they can build off each other and and people can have fun. And that's the whole that's the whole point of it. And then, yeah, I mean, that's like that's why mobile gaming's audience is so much bigger than MMOs. There's a lot more people that have five minutes to burn and just want something to entertain them mm -hmm. than people that say, hey, I have five thousand hours and don't know what to do with it. Right. Um you know, and that's that's what Final Fantasy is asking you. Final Fantasy 14 is like, do you have a thousand hours that you don't know what to do with? Um, it's a huge investment. The first thing that significant portions of the community say is, oh, the first 40 hours suck. The first 100 hours suck. The first 10 hours suck. Some number. The idea <laughs> that compared to the whole, there is a buy-in is in its very nature. Yeah. Um, and and like it's it's a very successful franchise. Uh, that doesn't that doesn't slow it down. It's doing great. Doing great. Um, but yeah, it's a lot easier to download a mobile game, play it for three minutes, realize I hate it, uninstall it, and then move on with my life. And they probably have hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of new downloads all the time. Um, and their funding model just has to adjust accordingly. Yep. Uh, then non fund uh, fungible taco says. Uh, there's a very significant difference between WoW guilds and Final Fantasy XIV statics. The perpetual leaderboard of guilds listing means that you quote-unquote need that guild to constantly be on people's radar. Fourteen statics form a break apart at all the time. Guilds cannot afford to do that. What do you think? I think there's a fundamental difference in the way a raid tier functions as of today mm -hmm. in the two games. Final Fantasy XIV presents a raid tier that is really only done at one difficulty. And that one difficulty drops the gear necessary to clear it to the point where world progression happens in a matter of days and mm -hmm. substantial progression happens for a large number of guilds within eight to 12 weeks of when they start, um, when they start progressing the tier, maybe they start when it releases, maybe they start a little later. Um, and, and it's only eight people. The mechanics are something that is picked up off of previous encounters. Uh, and so the knowledge base is something that is baked into every facet of the game, going back multiple expansions. Uh, they, we see those same mechanics in a normal, easy to approach mode. We see them in other mechanics within that expansion. And so 
it is very like it's a dance that is very execution based. So it lends itself to a group of people that are committing to be together, a very small group of people relative for a very reasonable number of weeks. It is it's like agreeing to be part of a bowling league. You sign up for a bowling league one time and at the end of the season, you never bowl again. That's fine. Maybe you don't do very well, but it's fine. A WoW guild in its current state, there is a fair point to the way the game's designed requires you to gear up for weeks before you even get into what is the real challenge. There are multiple tiers of progression. And then to get the drops and everything you need may require that you progress across multiple characters, maybe, uh, and that you progress across multiple months to still see the drop that you wanted never drop. Um, and so the loot system, the sheer number of bosses to a tier, uh, and the number of difficulties and the fact that you are encouraged to have alts at some of the top end progression, it's not required for everybody, um, does lend itself to a structure that needs to be consistent for a lot longer. So now you're not signing up for a bowling league. That's going to last eight weeks this fall. You're mm -hmm. signing up for a year round commitment. Um, and so like. I think that if, if WoW wants to move to a more seasonal model, they either need to compress that stuff so that it mm -hmm. doesn't take that same commitment so that people really can take breaks. Um, or they need to have something that it's easier to join a group that's never done this before uh, because the mechanics in WoW are so much more coordinated, A, because there's a lot more people, and B, because they just don't telegraph things in quite the same way um, that, like, when I listen to the commentary on a world first progression, they're spouting knowledge that I just don't even understand how you could have like the sheer number of mechanics and fights and all that, as opposed to when you watch 14, they're like, and this is a stack and this is a spread mm -hmm. like it. It's, it's so much easier to understand for the layman. Does that make sense? Like, I'm not saying that makes it simple to do or that it's like a, but like, I can understand watching it. So the amount of knowledge I have to acquire before I get to start practicing is so low. If I decided I want to join a WoW Mythic Guild today, it would be a substantial investment before I ever got to set foot in the instance. Yeah. So so I agree. Like that's that's just a fundamental thing that WoW has struggled with. Is yeah, that you I, can't just yeah. form up. You can form up in Guild Wars. You can just right. join a group and raid. You can form up in in Destiny. You can just form up and raid. You can form up in Final Fantasy. You can just form up and raid. You can't do that in WoW. You can't do that in EVE Online. Like these are things that those structures either need to change or we just need to admit that those games are just different. Yeah, and I think it's perfectly fine having uh, games uh, be different, you know, and because again, that's just going for people who want that and crave that. Uh, there's there's a product out there, you know, in that case. And again, I think... Uh, I, you know, not having experienced the wow, the wow raids, et cetera, and the requirements there. Uh, I know where my life is right now, not retired, uh, that I find that it's like things that I can jump into easily, have a really good time. Uh, even if I can, if even if it requires a little bit of work, I perfectly fine with putting in that, uh, to be able to experience something. But at some point, there becomes that that hard line in the sand, and that's just where life is for most of us, I think, right now. And then at some point, when that becomes, when I get to join the that that group homeschool or retired that mindset where it's like yes i'm retired i can kick back and i can i can spend lots of times playing games and, and doing raids and so much more that ends up being something where i think hopefully that's in everybody's future 
uh, that we all get to have that opportunity to kick back, relax, re- retire, and enjoy uh, the our efforts of, for all the previous 40 years of, uh, of labor uh, in this case. Anyway, um, Chris, you want to give a tease about what video you're working on, perhaps? Or you got anything you want to share? No, not a, nothing you want to share? No, I've got a couple. I've got a couple things in the works, so I'm gonna sit down and see which one I think I can get out in a reasonable amount of time. Um, I'm pivoting back to kind of more, like I just, I just want to make things that are fun. So I can't promise they'll be algorithmically successful, um, and I <laughs> That's can't promise they'll be done on time. Um, but thankfully, like I have something that now pays my mortgage, and so I, you know, I, I said before, somebody we we would talk about this on stream times sometimes is people would come in and they're trying to get started, and they would ask, and they're like, well, how do you decide? It's like, well, if it's your living, then you take the ten ideas that you want to work on, and you pick the four or five that are most likely to pay your bills, and you pick those. So I don't let the money drive what I do, as in mm-hmm. like it creates the ideas, but I do let it filter through the ideas that I have. And now I get to filter by a different metric. Like what is the thing that would either teach me the most skills that I want to learn or would take the biggest creative risk or something like that. Um, because the, the money or the likelihood of a sponsorship or affiliate link succeeding or something is no longer a contributing factor. Um, so I'm excited. I even have a few things planned that may lose me money. Mm. That's, that's kind of exciting. Yes. that That's what, where we were with the shorts for a while. I was just like, all right, we got to put out shorts and then it's just the cost right. in time. Now it's like, oh, thanks for this AI no, app that just generates them. So if you're I mean, eventually AI will replace all of us, but until then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, we'll become just AI generated ginger and what's, and, what's uh, Phil DeFranco saying? This is the worst it will ever be. So when people are like saying, like, well, it's not that good at it. Yes, but it's never going to get worse. Yeah. Like, this is the worst it will ever be. So if you think AI is powerful now, or you don't think AI is powerful now, this is the worst it will ever be. It only will get better and better until eventually it just replaces us. Yep, that seems about right. (laughs) Uh, Colin says, uh, talking about, did we talk about the follower dungeons of World of Warcraft? I don't believe we did at all, but perhaps that's going to be something we jump into next next week when we sit down and go over what's going on in gaming and so much more. Thank you guys so much for all being here. Hopefully you enjoyed the podcast. Hopefully uh, if you haven't already hit that like button and uh, hope whatever YouTube recommends to you guys after this, uh, we look forward to hopefully hearing from you guys uh, in the comments and so much more. Go ahead, Chris. I suggest if you need a recommendation that you watch a channel called boy lie hobby time. Um, So be, I don't know how to spell it. If you link it to me, I'll put it in the show notes uh, in the description. So we can always do that after. All right, guys, we're going to wrap up. Um, We will see you next week. So until then, take care.